you might be seeing it, you know, as large as a football, and I might be too. And those of us that see it are very, very passionate when we talk about it uh, and in our desire to share that information with other people. The truth is, the majority of our populations Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, this week I wanted to get into something that underlies a lot of what we talk about at Fortune and Freedom. You and I are both libertarians. We see government intervention and government solutions as actually making the problem worse rather than solving anything. And I think what's happened over the last few months or 18 months or so, but also because of the financial crisis, is that it's becoming very obvious that what we believe is true. The government solutions and interventions are causing more problems than they're solving if they do solve anything at all. So I'm going to list a few examples just so that uh, people do realize we're not just going off on some sort of strange tangent. Uh, And then I'll get your reaction to what happens next. Because if people do start to realize that government intervention causes more problems than solutions, then I think there's going to be some sort of backlash and repercussion. Uh, So in my list here, we've got the energy crisis, which has been made worse by the Keystone Pipeline uh, rejection from from Joe Biden in the US and also the oil drilling moratorium on federal government lands. The Dutch refused to extend production from the Groningen gas fields, uh, which is causing part of the cause of of the gas shortage. We've got the Germans delaying the approval of Nord Stream and the Americans uh, sanctioning it. We've got the lockdowns and the vaccines. That's uh, obviously government imposition on all of us with the lockdown, not letting us choose what what sort of level of safety we want to go with for our own lives. We've got vaccines that are mandatory, which is causing this great resignation. I was watching a video today with uh, an emergency room in New York that had been uh, closed down at least temporarily because they they fired too many nurses and and it was because of this mandate. Um, We've got the, the truck driver shortage, which depending on who you ask was caused by all sorts of different things. But as far as I know, they're all government policies. We've got the migrant crisis, which you've, you've focused on. Uh, and I think that was very much political policy issue as you've, you've displayed in your, in your various videos. Um, inflation with central banks causing the inflation, denying it, it, it exists, uh, keeping rates low despite the inflation spurting out of control. We've got stimulus packages from the government making that inflation even worse. We've got the housing bubble, which is caused by low interest rates, unaffordable housing caused by central banks. We've got the stock market bubble with central banks buying stocks. We've got low returns on government bonds below inflation, both the government's fault. So there's all these crises and we've been covering them in Fortune and Freedom. As I see it, there's an identifiable government policy behind all of them, and it's become very obvious. What happens next? How are people going to react to this, if, if indeed they're going to notice it, as I think they will? Well, it's a very passionate uh, beginning to the conversation, I have to say, uh, Nick. Um, look, you know, we're almost heading towards something akin to communism, where the state is in control of everything. The kind of difference is that the industries, the businesses aren't state-run, they're run by giant global corporates who work hand-in-glove with government, the Pfizer's uh, of this world perhaps being very, very good examples. So it's not communism, but it is the state, you know, commanding an ever greater share of economic activity, of employment percentages, 
uh, and of decisions that the rest of us are no longer free to make, be that on, and you mentioned the vaccine, well, mandatory vaccines, of course, are coming in to Austria from February, but you can see the push. The push is for this to be agreed at an EU level. You know, I can see it, it's happening. Um, whether it goes all that way or not, I don't know, but that's the conversation. Uh, the extent to which governments are indebted uh, will continue to go up. Uh, and yes, you're right. Many, many of the problems we've got are direct failures of government policy. The power outage in Texas last year was a great example. You know, Texas, for goodness sake, the oil state, uh, which has become so reliant on wind energy um, and, and never thought they'd see blizzards, but they did last year, and it led to a really very dramatic and damaging outage. Nobody, of course, ever admits to it. Never admits to it. They always find some other reason to blame. Here's the funny thing. You might be seeing it, you know, as large as a football, and I might be too. And those of us that see it are very, very passionate when we talk about it uh, and in our desire to share that information with other people. The truth is, the majority of our populations haven't even thought about it yet. Because the majority of our populations are beginning to think that government is the solution to everything. You know, we've had a major energy supplier go, go under overnight. No problem. The government will come in and bail them out for 1.7 billion. No problem at all. Uh, you know, the railways lose money. No problem at all. We just nationalise them. Um, and, 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 and literally, every demand in the public sphere is for government to do more and for government to spend more. And to counter something like that, you need the kind of radical thought that was behind Thatcherism. A difficult 40 years on, perhaps for many people, to realize just how radical she was. You know, the 39-45 war saw a massive extension of state power, massive extension of the role of the state relative to the size of the UK economy. And what we did after the war was through the introduction of, of, of a welfare state, through a Labour government, then extend that through our social lives in a massive, massive way. And no one doubts, by the way, that all of this was thoroughly well intended, because it was. You know, and we finished up in the 70s with crippling inflation, the disease of money caused by government that we've talked about before. We finished up with, I mean, literally, Kremlin-supporting trade union leaders, and they were, that's not an exaggeration, they actually, you know, Jack Jones and others, it's been proved, were effectively acting as agents for this vile communist regime. I mean, they brought down a government in 74. You, you know, and, and so things, had, things got really bad, and then Thatcherism comes around and says, we're going to reverse all of this. We're going to put you, the people, back in charge of your lives. We're going to reduce the role of the state. And she did that in tandem, really, with Reagan in America. Now, the abuse that she got, she still gets it, even after she's dead. And Reagan, I mean, you would have thought that Reagan was bringing back slavery, the way, you know, the way he was dealt with by the you know, New York Times 
and others. So what I'm saying to you is this, I've been stunned during this pandemic, the extent to which people are prepared all over the Western world to buy government fear-mongering on this virus. I mean, I, mean, I was reflecting yesterday. I mean, they banned us playing golf for fear of the virus. I wasn't allowed to go and sit by a lake and try and catch a carp for fear. I mean, just extraordinary. And yet, majorities again and again in polling say, ah, oh, what if it makes us safer? You know, if it's going to protect us, that's what we'll do. And still today, I'm going around parts of, even parts of rural England, where people in their 80s are wearing masks and, and walking around in fear. So is there going to be, as, as you want and hope, you know, a radical, free market, libertarian, individualistic, pro-enterprise, pro-entrepreneurship -entre, pro um, <coughs> turnaround? Yes. But is it coming next Thursday? No. Uh, and, and, and so, you, you know, what was behind Thatcherism and Reaganism uh, was a deeply thought through, logical and argued economic case, social case and political case. And I don't think those, I don't, I don't think those elements are yet in place. Now, you know, Boris Johnson won't be there forever. I mean, he's proved to be the most big state conservative outside wartime we've ever, ever seen in every, I mean, you know, they're even telling us how to boil our lobsters now, but I just can't believe, you know, the extent to which we're being told what we can and can't do. He won't be there forever. I personally don't think he'll be there at the next general election. And so the Conservative Party has a choice in this country. In America, I think we can make the case that my friend, McDonald, and whatever people think of him, and you know, he's a bit over the top for some, he's a bit too rich for the blood for others, he is a you know, outspoken New Yorker, but actually his instinct, his instinct is to kind of let business and entrepreneurship and government get on with it. <clears throat> so I think in America, we're gonna see Republicanism, I mean, they're gonna sweep the midterms. It's gonna be a dramatic win in the midterms, I would have thought, uh, provided we have a, you know, a sensible electoral system, I'd, I'd have thought they're back in the White House in 2024. But it'll depend who leads the Republicans. <clears throat> will it still be Trump? Will it still be the radical, you know, pro-business? Or will it be an establishment-type figure? You know, I, I'm not saying it'll be Mitch McConnell, but that kind of Republican. So, you know, I'm not giving up on it. You know, there are opportunities to turn this around, but I'm afraid for the minute, Nick, um, you and I, to some extent, are whistling in the wind. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I'm more worried about people turning the other way and turning to social unrest or political parties that are even more extreme uh, and, and individuals that are even more extreme or, or, or violent unrest or these protests I mean, it seems like everybody's protesting about anything they can find at the moment. And if they're yeah. not protesting, you know, engaging in shoplifting in, in groups. And it just seems like there's, we're on the cusp of a, a bit of a breakdown because whatever is being done to, to battle the various crises we face is actually making them worse. And once you if, you, if you've gone through life having faith in the government to solve problems and suddenly that's not working, I'm not so sure you become a libertarian, but 
something's got to change, something snaps. Yeah, I mean, normally in democracy, you don't need to protest. Well, or you certainly don't need violent protest because there are opposing political views, there are elections, there are regular periods. You know, the point of democracy is to stop us wanting to use violence as a means of changing things. But there is some quite big cultural breakdown going on. So the war on woke, the war on council culture, the war in favour of free speech, it's kind of all part of the same battle, really, that we're engaged in. So I, I think, for me, with all of this, I think America's the key. I think if America falls, we all fall. But I do think if the fight back against all of this comes anywhere, it will come in America through, through the Republican Party, and that then will give, will, will kind of give the rest of us hope. Your first response about the, the Thatcher Revolution and the Reagan Revolution was very similar to it I know I've made here. Um, and it's actually that the shift came slightly before Thatcher and Reagan to me in this idea of the James Callaghan speech where he said, we used to believe that you could spend your way out of recession. Uh, and, and the rest of that speech goes on to explain that it just causes inflation and yeah. it doesn't work and the Phillips curve is dead. So it seems to me that everyone realized at that point or around about that time that what was being done doesn't work and then the search wow. began for something else. Wow. Is that an accurate... It, 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 it is fascinating that actually James Callaghan did put in place monetary policies, but there was a reason for that. The IMF insisted. You know, we'd gone to the IMF in 1976 to be bailed out by the IMF, and they insisted upon those terms, and Healy as Chancellor and Callaghan as Prime Minister put those policies into, into place. Whether they, whether they would have come up with those ideas without the IMF is, I, I don't know the answer to, but it's, but, but it's worth getting at that sense of historical perspective on it. Um, you know, it really, really is. Maybe, I mean, maybe it needs a bust somewhere. You know, maybe it needs a dramatic bust somewhere, an Italy or whatever it is, for us all to come to our senses. I don't know. Uh, but for the moment, things will carry on much as they are. Um, and, and that's why the bubbles uh, keep on bubbling. Uh, at some point, it's going to turn around very, very quickly. And our job, I suppose, is to try and act, uh, if you like, as something, of, as something of a barometer when we really do think things are about to get very turbulent. But it's not happening yet. I think neither of us are waiting for the IMF to come and save us again. Nigel, thanks for joining us. And everyone at home, thanks for joining us as well. 